Well, amen. Thank you, choir, orchestra, worship team, for leading us in that time of praise. Hebrews chapter 11. Please turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11 as we continue our worship through the Word. If you're our guest, thank you for being here today. Uh, to give you a little background on where we've been, we've been studying for months now through the book of Hebrews. And now we are to probably the most famous chapter in the book of Hebrews, and that is what many call the Faith Hall of Fame. And so we want to talk about uh, today this subject, faith and the power to endure. I want to ask you to pray with me, and then we're going to uh, study the first 12 verses of this chapter. I've divided this chapter up into, into three messages. Now, really, uh, I could preach a message on each person highlighted here in this, uh, uh, in this text, but I want to focus in a larger sweep of things as the writer of Hebrews did. And so join me in prayer, and we're going to ask God to speak to us now uh, as we open His Word. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I am thankful, Lord, for the day that you have given to us. I'm thankful for your saving power. I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we've been able to express praise through song this morning, and now it's time for us to hear from you so we might live a life of worship by obedience to you. And Father, you know how uh, inspiring this text is. Lord, I have been encouraged deeply by it this week. But I feel so inadequate this morning, Lord, and I just feel so in need of your anointing and your touch on my life to enable me, Lord, to preach this message, Lord, with clarity, with conviction, with power, with compassion, Lord, with effectiveness. And so I'm relying upon you, Lord, to give me the ability that's needed to do that. And I ask you to get hold of our hearts now, uh, our attention, and give us ears to hear, Lord, what you have to say to us. And so I just commit this time to you. I pray that you, Lord God, will be glorified through this time. And I ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, may many be inspired to walk in faith. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, every Christian is called to live by faith. We talked some about that uh, last week as we looked at... That quotation from chapter 2, the book of Habakkuk, and the end verses there of chapter 10 here in the book of Hebrews. All of us as believers are called to live by faith. The Apostle Paul put it this way to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. He said this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment... Now, the light affliction referred to all the suffering that Paul had went through on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think any of us would define his suffering as light. If we go back to chapter 11 in uh, 2 Corinthians, we'll find a list of things that he's laid out there uh, that he went through, and those things were unbelievable. I mean, there was beatings and imprisonments and dangers and uh, all types of tribulations and trials and people would turn on him and, and, he was, um, and he was in tragic situations and all these things that would kill the average person the Apostle Paul went through time and time again and yet he considered those sufferings for the sake of Christ as light affliction and temporary. So that's what he means in those verses there. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
That's why he considered it so light, because it could not compare with the reward he would receive in light of his suffering for the sake of the kingdom of God. Then he went on to say, while we do not look at the things which are seen, we don't need much faith to kind of accept the things that we see, but at the things which are not seen, and that's the spiritual things, that's the the kingdom of God that we do not yet see, that takes faith. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, he was much clearer in the next chapter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, here's what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. For we walk by faith and not by sight. To the Galatians, he wrote this by the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the faith, live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are to live by faith. Now we're saved by faith, right? Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22 says, it's one of the many places it says we're justified by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. We're saved by faith. But also we're called then to live by faith once we are saved. Now we saw this, as I mentioned a moment ago, as we studied through chapter 10. We got into these last verses last week, some very heavy verses we dealt with last week. But we see in verse 37 and and 38 where the Word of God says, For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back... My soul has no pleasure in him. So he's calling those Christians to understand that we've got to endure in this Christian life. You don't, you don't draw away. You don't back up into Judaism as these ethnic Jewish Christians were being tempted to do. They were to stay faithful to the Lord. They were to endure in their walk with him. And it would take faith for that to happen. And so that's what he's teaching these early Christians, and that's exactly what he's teaching, the Holy Spirit is teaching now through this same text 2,000 years later to the 21st century church. Christians live by faith, and that is we trust in our Lord. We trust His Word. We trust His warnings. We trust in His future reward. And so because of that, we live differently than our flesh wants to live at times. We live differently than those in the world who are unsaved. We live, we live differently from those who are influenced deeply by the culture around them because we are saved and therefore we live now by faith. And maybe you need this reminder this morning. Maybe you're pressured by the culture you're in. Maybe the friends you hang out with. Maybe folks in your family. Maybe just the culture itself and the way that it's growing in opposition to the things of God is causing you to take a moment to think about maybe not being so devoted to Jesus. But the Spirit of God is saying to you, my dear brother or sister, you stay faithful, you endure. And in chapter 11, what is given to us is a whole list of people and situations from the past who live by faith. And it's meant to strengthen the people of God. It's meant to encourage and equip the people of God to endure in their walk with Christ 
by faith. So let's take a look at these verses for today, verses 1 through 12 of Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. That is, they were commended by God Himself. The elders speaks of Old Testament saints all the way through the intertestamental period. And so he is encouraging those early Christians with those who were the people of God in the past and how they endured by faith, and it was pleasing to God. Verse 3, By faith we understand that the worlds, or the ages, were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now look at verse 6, because it tells us here the way in which we please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. He did not say difficult to please Him. What did He say? It's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child which she was, when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised." Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the skies, and multitude innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Now, the main idea of this message this morning is that faith produces the power to endure, and we're called to live by faith. Now, it's when we surrender to the Lord in faith that we're enabled by His power to obey Him. God requires things of us, and He gives us responsibility, and our responsibility is to obey Him. And as we submit ourselves to obey Him, the power of the living God enables that. He enables us to live with obedience to the instruction that God's given to us. He gives us the power to heed the warnings that He gives to us. He gives us the power to trust the promises that He has made to us. The Lord gives every bit of the power that's needed for Christians to live this life so that we have no excuse. Matter of fact, the Bible even tells us that we're never tempted beyond what we're able. When someone says, I can't help but do this, if they're a true believer, I have to say to them, you misunderstand the Word of God. It may be very difficult for you. You're in a battle 
but the Spirit of God enables the Christian to resist temptation that comes our way. So he gives us the power to live the life that we are called to live. And as we surrender to obey, that's an act of faith. Sometimes we think faith is just simply trusting God to provide for us or help us do something or heal the sick or take care of a problem that we have. And that's certainly one aspect of faith. But the faith being talked about right here is much more than that. The faith talked about right here is living obediently to the Lord no matter the circumstances of life. Do you know it takes faith to do what the Bible says instead of what your body wants to do and what the world is telling you you ought to do? It takes faith. We trust the Lord and we obey Him uh, in these circumstances. Now, the first three verses here in chapter 11, is this kind of this prelude into this very famous chapter uh, of the Bible is, uh, gives us a couple things. First of all, uh, we see uh, working definition or description might be a better term for this of faith. The Word of God says here that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance means reality. It's not a subjective word here. It's an objective word. It's, it's speaking about something that's very tangible. It's a reality, a realization. He goes on to say the evidence of things, it is that the evidence of things not seen, that is the proof of things not seen. Now, I can look out here this morning and I can see a bunch of good-looking people out here in these chairs, and, and I've watched you this morning engage in worship, and, and I can see you looking back at me. I can tell when most of you are kind of engaged, and you're looking and you're listening. I can kind of tell that sometimes. Some of you are really good at faking that, but, but anyway, you know, I can see that. I, uh, so I'm, I'm sensing what all is happening around me through sight and then also through my ears and, and then being able to get up here and grasp this pulpit and I, with my touch or hug a neck or shake a hand and this kind of thing. And, and so I can see this physical world around me with the senses that God has given me to be able to experience uh, this world. But I, I cannot, with my physical eyes, see into the spiritual kingdom that is unseen. And that's where faith comes in. Faith provides the perception, provides the sensory, provides the sight into real tangible realities that we don't really see in the physical, but through faith we experience them and understand them and, and the fact that they're so real around us. Oftentimes, and by the way, faith is not just a blind leap. You know, there's a lot of evidence and a lot of reasonable uh, evidences for why we believe what we believe, don't you know? Verse 3 gives us a good example of that because the Word of God tells us that by faith, the worlds or the ages have been established by the Word of God. Now, what he's doing here is he's going back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, where over and over we find that by the Word of God, the universe was created, the times of history were established, and and you know, none of us have seen God with our eyes, but we have certainly seen the evidence of His handiwork through creation. And if people are honest and go into this without any presuppositions and they go into the scientific realm and they begin to look at this universe, its complexity, its order, and all of this, then you begin to see that there's something had to do this. Someone had to do this. So His handiwork is everywhere around us, and those of us who have faith have this clear understanding of, of the fact that God is the source of all things, and, 
And so he starts out in these three verses, kind of laying that out. And then in verses 4 through 12, he begins listing out uh, with a series of examples uh, what I believe are five exhortations about faith. And he uses someone from the past who has exercised faith as an example to encourage Christians then and is encouraging Christians today. So let me walk you through these five examples of faith. And I pray that there'll be something that inspires you, that edifies you, that equips you and, and I to live out this life in faith. The first thing I want you to see is this. By faith, we give our best to God. Verse 4. The example here is that of Abel. Abel's the second son of Adam and Eve. Abel was a man of God. Abel offered a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. Genesis chapter 4 records this event. Abel and his brother Cain presented offerings to God. Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock, and he offered that to God. And the Word of God teaches us in, in um, Genesis chapter 4, and the Lord respected Abel's offering. Then Cain offered his offering, but God was not pleased with it. Now, in the Genesis account, we don't know why God was pleased with Abel's, and we don't really know why God was not pleased with Cain's. It's not specifically said there in the text. We get over here to Hebrews, and we begin to understand a little more about this. The Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4 that Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. What made it a more excellent sacrifice than Cain? Because it was offered with faith. It was offered with a surrendered heart. It indicates that Abel was a man of God himself who trusted God, who was surrendered to God in faith. And I will tell you, when you are surrendered to God in faith, then you are empowered by Him to give the very best of your life to God. And Abel is an example of that. Now, in Philippians chapter 1, I want you just to write these verses down. They'll be on the screen for you, but I... I want you to take some time and think through these because, you know, the Bible tells us in places like in Ephesians and also in Colossians that we're to redeem the time wisely. We're to, we're to live, we're to walk, which means conduct life circumspectly, that is carefully and wisely, the Scripture says, redeeming the time because the days are evil, the Scripture says. It means to make the most of every opportunity in this life to live wisely for the Lord. But here in Philippians, here's what we find Paul wrote down by the Spirit of God as he's writing to this church that he loved deeply. He said this, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. Now, he's praying, first of all, that their love increase. Now, there were people who loved one another, but yet he wanted that to grow. I say this quite often. I think that's a, a great deficiency in the church today. We don't know how to love biblically. We don't understand it. We get it wrong, and I'm, I'm thinking about preaching a series through what it looks like to love biblically. But, but he's praying for them, as he did the Thessalonian church, to increase and abound in love. Then he goes on to say this, in knowledge and all discernment. Why? That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. You know what he's doing here? He's praying for these Christians to have a clear understanding and great discernment 
as to what the most excellent things are in life so that you prioritize your life with those things. You with me? What he's saying is you discover what's the most excellent things in this life and you put those first. You live that out. Well, what are the most excellent things? Well, he's talking about the things of God. Prioritize the things of God. Put God first. Put the Lord Jesus first. Obey Him above all. Seek after those things. Prioritize your entire life centered around the Lord Jesus. That, that's what He's talking about. But what we do sometimes, we put our own wants, our own desires above God's will. We give God the leftovers. We put all kind of non-essentials above gathering together for worship. We put all kind of non-essentials and, and use excuses not to serve God and not to witness for Him and, and not to live holy for Him. We don't give of our first fruits, whether it be with our time or our finances so often. But Abel gave his best to God because he was a man of faith. And the Word of God says that he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, none of us are going to ever appear in Scripture because the canon of Scripture is closed. We're not going to uh, have a few verses that says, you know, Thomas Porter, uh, he walked by faith and he had, had a great Sunday school class and all that. They're not going to have a section here on Mike Orr about, you know, what he did this or did that. Uh, but I'll tell you this, even though we're not going to be written in Scripture, I'm telling you the life of faith you and I live is written in heaven. God sees it, He knows it, He commends it, and He rewards it. And just as Abel lived a life of faith that made great impact, you and I can do the same. As we surrender to the Lord and put Him first, I'm telling you, what a difference God can make through our lives. There's a, there's a section of this verse 4 that jumped out to me as I studied this week that I want to share with you right now. Look at verse 4. The last part of verse 4 says, And through it, he being dead still speaks. And that kind of has a little bit of a play off the Genesis account where uh, Abel, when Cain jealously killed his brother Abel and his blood cried out from the ground to God. That's, it's a kind of a play here. That's not what's being talked about here. Uh, what still speaks about Abel, even to this day, is his faithfulness. It's giving his best to God. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. What kind of legacy are you leaving? What, what kind of legacy are you leaving? Do you know if you walk with God, do you know that you'll leave a legacy of faith? And do you know it will impact those closest to you? Do you know it will impact people in this church family? Do you know it will impact people in this community? Do you know that it will impact people in the world because of your service here, giving of your life here? It, your faith, your trust, giving your best to God will have an impact on people you will not know this side of standing before Jesus one day. I don't know, obviously, Many of my ancestors, I know who they are, I know their names, I don't know what they look like, I don't know anything about them, but that they had a testimony of faith, many of them. I was thinking about my great, great, great granddaddy Williams, my great grandmother, or was a Williams. And my great, great, great granddaddy was actively involved in one of the oldest Baptist churches in 
uh, my home county in North Georgia. <clears throat> Many of his children surrendered to be missionaries, and they went out west into Oklahoma to minister to the Indians out in, on the reservations uh, in the 19th century. My great-great-grandfather stayed there in that area, and of course I descended from, uh, from him, but they were a people of faith that lived out their faith and passed that down. I can say that on both sides of my family, and I'm very grateful for that. But not only can you make a difference in your family, have you thought about how your faith can impact your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren that you may never know? I'll tell you this, if we not leave a legacy of faith, your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren or your great-great-grandchildren may never know God because we've not left a legacy of faith. There are people in this church right now who have been impacted by people who are in heaven now that were at one time active members of this congregation. And those people back in those days, and many of us don't know, there's a few of our people that, are, that might be old enough to remember some of those folks way back, but here's the thing. There, there are people who we don't even remember their names now. Their faith is still having impact, even today in this congregation. What kind of legacy will you leave behind? When you walk by faith, you'll give your best to God. And I'll tell you this, your life of faith will still be speaking if Jesus tarries 100 years from now right here in this area. By faith, we give our best to God. But then also we see something else in verses 5 and 6. By faith, we please God. Enoch mentioned in Genesis chapter 5 is, is mentioned in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. He's mentioned also in Jude 14 and 15. And in the Genesis account, the Word of God says he walked with God. Now, what a better descriptor. I'd love for people to say about me, he walks with God. And I think all of us should want that. Now, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament translates that he pleased God. Well, to walk with God is to please God, and to please God is to walk with God. They are synonymous. Enoch walked with God, and one incredible thing about Enoch was he did not die. God took him. Enoch lived 400 or so years before the time of Noah. There was an increasing ungodliness that began to take place in the world at that time, leading up to when God destroyed the earth with a flood. And Enoch walked with God during those days, and God took him. That is, God called him up, to be, raptured him up to be with him. Now, you and I are called to please God. It takes faith to please God. It's surrendered obedience. That's what it means to please God. Now, verse 6 gives us further insight into what it means to please God or walk with God. And so I want to show us that. Let's take a look at verse 6 again. The Word of God says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I believe there are three components of pleasing God through faith in verse 6. Here's the first one. You come to God. Now, that's the same thing as drawing near that we found in chapter 10 and verse 22. It means you want to seek God. You want to know Him more. You want to be obedient to Him. You want to worship Him. You desire more than anything 
to serve him. That's a purpose, purposeful and intentional act. Because as I said before many times, we don't just automatically drift towards serving God. We automatically drift away from serving him. We, we need to be intentional. We need to be focused. We need to be purposeful. That's why the writer of Hebrews warns against the drift in Hebrews chapter 2, that spiritual drift that can occur. We're to come to God purposefully, seek Him every day, draw near to Him. But then secondly, we're to believe that He exists. Now that seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? You think, well, how can you be even to be a Christian if you don't believe God exists? Well, of course we believe He exists. But I think there's something more being emphasized here than just that we believe in the existence of God. It means that we are mindful of God. It means that we understand the fullness of God, the faithfulness of God. We live as though we understand God. Now, what does that mean? There's a whole lot of Christians that I know who live like virtual atheists. They don't ever think about God unless they're in trouble. In their little morning prayers, they'll say a few little things and do their rituals and move on and never think about God again all day. They don't think about God all week. They don't think about how they're going to serve him or how they can magnify him or, or, or how, they, uh, how they can fellowship with him throughout the day. They, they live as virtual atheists. If we walk with God, we're aware of him all the time. We are focused on him all the time. We are seeking him all the time. We put our sights on him. So we draw near to him. We understand God's existence. But the third thing is we also understand that he rewards. Faith does not go unnoticed. And so here's the thing. You and I are not going to live our best life now. I, I cringe at the prosperity preachers of our day. They talk about when you get saved, you know, things are going to be so good for you. You, you know, you're going to get the best parking places at Walmart. You're going to, your bank account's going to grow. Your debt's going to be canceled. You're not going to be sick. And all these things take place. And, and, and they just go on and on and on. And, and they talk about living your best life now. And, and they make God out to be a giant Santa Claus in the sky who just gives us whatever we want. And life is all about us being happy. And, and it's, just a, it's just all a big lie. We're not going to live our best life now. Now, we can live a great life. We can live a very abundant life. And I would say to you that, that uh, those of us, even if we suffer for being a Christian, we're still going to live a much more abundant and joyful life than a non-believer who has everything the world has to offer him or her. The best is yet to come for us. It's, it's, and that's why we can't be satisfied here. I'm old enough now to... Uh, remember the past. This morning, I was looking at a picture. There's a, this picture was taken in 1983, and it's one of these aerial photos. You remember how the planes used to fly over, and they'd take pictures, and, then, and now they're trying to sell those things to you, you know. And, and my brother, he, he bought some of those, and he gave me one for Christmas framed a few years ago. And so <clears throat> it is a picture of my grandparents' house where he lives today, and all the old buildings that were out there are there. His old truck sitting out there backed up, and, and he's out there in the yard. He's got a picture of him with his straw hat on, and he's building a, 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 some cattle troughs. I remember those cattle troughs well. That's the aerial photo. And I was looking at that this morning. I was thinking, you know what? Those are some good times. 
Then I got to thinking more about that. Those times had their problems. They had their anxieties. They had their worries. And I used to remember thinking when I was younger back then, that's how things are going to be better when I get older. <laughs> and then when you get older, you start looking back and go, you know, things were pretty good back then. But you get to think about, well, they wasn't not that good back then. Why is it that we can't be satisfied? Because we're not made for this world. We're not made for this world. The best is yet to come for us. And, and, and we long for that. And that's why right now, we're not going to be allured by the things of this world. We're going to keep our focus on Jesus. We're going to walk with Him, and He will reward that. He'll reward it. By faith, we live out lives to please God. But then third, by faith, we heed the warnings of God. Verse 7, this is Noah. Noah's example. He's used here by the writer. Uh, he received a, a, a divine warning from God. Things were terrible on earth. People lived wickedly and violently, and, and none uh, served God. There was only eight people that were truly uh, saved on earth at that time. You think we live in a bad time? What if it was just your family and nobody else that were believers? And yet Noah heeded the word of God. He heeded the warnings of God. He'd probably never seen rain. He was probably around no body of water. And yet he built this boat, this giant boat that God told him to build. And can you imagine how relentlessly people scoffed at him and made fun of him? 120 years went by as he was building and he was, the Bible says he was preaching. Second Peter chapter two, verse five, called him a preacher of righteousness. So the whole time he's preaching to them and he's, he's compelling them or pleading with them to turn from their sin and to walk with God. And none of them did. But he was moved by a godly fear, a reverential awe of God. And, uh, and he heeded the warnings of God. And I wonder, do we do that today? A people, of, people of faith, they will heed the warnings of God. And when God says this is sin and it's destructive for your life, then we heed those warnings. Remember last week, we talked about a pretty severe warning where God chastens sometimes even to the point of physical death in those who are blatantly rebellious toward God and they willfully sin, if they truly know Him. Now, if there's no chastening there, that's when... Uh, that's when you know you don't even belong to God. And we'll get into that in chapter 12. Sometimes folks will have a deep desire for, for sexual sin or they harbor hatred or they love discord or they're full of jealousy and, or anger is something that's common in their lives, rage or selfish ambition or drunkenness. And the Word of God says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, that those who live those things, those who practice those things on a regular basis, do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 speaks of this also. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Do we heed the warnings of God? Or do we just say, oh, okay, I'm just going to go do what I want to do, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, uh, just forget about what God says. I don't think He's going to do anything, and I'm just going to I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. <clears throat> Those who live by faith, they heed the warnings of God, and they obey the instruction 
of God. What if Noah had not? (laughs) Our obedience makes a difference. It makes a difference. I was um, thinking of a family that my dad had told me about in our home county many years ago. I didn't know any of them. But I've heard him and others tell about this family, and they had everything. Uh, they had uh, gotten very wealthy in a, in a business. And, and one thing the father of this family made a statement about one time was that, that he did not need friends because he had money. So he was not a man of faith. He did not lead his family in the things of God. And, but to look at them from the outside, you would think, well, they've got everything that you could want. I mean, they've got money, and, and one of their sons was very nice-looking. He... He was a great athlete. He was good academically. The whole world was before him, you know, just at, at his beck and call, so to speak. And, and everybody wanted to be him. And, you know, this is the, just the real popular guy. <clears throat> but because there was no focus on the Lord in that home, uh, and this doesn't always happen, but here's what happened in this case. That he, he got on drugs, <clears throat> and it destroyed him. Matter of fact, it damaged his brain to the point he couldn't hardly even function. He had to have somebody care for him. The entire family ended up in those days getting hooked on drugs. And they lost everything to the point where they were just having to be cared for by others. So here they were at one time at the top, and they lost everything. There was no focus on the Lord in that home. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Now, that's that's an extreme case. That's probably not going to happen to me. But I'll tell you this. It may not happen that way, and sometimes you can do the best you can in raising somebody, and they're still going to go the wrong way. Amen? But here's the thing. If we do not focus on the Lord and heed the warnings of God and obey Him like people who live by faith do, it'll have an impact on others around. It'll have an impact in our families. It'll have an impact in our communities. The the, the witness and the influence that we have will, will make a negative impact. But I'll tell you this, if you heed the warnings of God, then you become a positive influence on others. You're salt and light as we're called to be when that takes place. So those who live by faith, they heed the warnings of God. They trust God's word. They trust what he says. Then the fourth thing here is that by faith... We answer the call of God, verses 8 through 10. Now, here we have one of the most common examples of faith given in the Old Testament. We'll pick back up on Abraham's life here uh, in this chapter as well. But Abraham is an example of faith. Now, I'll just tell you something about Abraham and Sarah. They had their weak moments as it comes to faith, right? If you've read those accounts, you understand that about them, just like we have those weak moments. But they inevitably... And eventually believed as they should, and they walked by faith. Abraham was called to leave his homeland. He was called to leave from out of his family and go to a place he wasn't even sure about, that Abraham's descendants would actually be the ones to finally uh, inherit. And so he answered that call, and he went out, and he lived uh, as a pilgrim in tents, not with permanent dwellings in that place. He was just temporarily there, really, because it wasn't just the land of Canaan that he was eventually promised. It was the eternal kingdom of God that he was eventually promised. That's what verse 10 talks about. 
a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I'll tell you right now, you and I live in the place where God's planted us and we put down roots and we serve God here, but ultimately our roots are really in the kingdom of God. And even though we're in the world, we're not of the world. We're passing through. This is all temporary. But you and I are citizens, if we're saved, of an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that will not end. It will never be defeated. It will never fall. It will never have uh, a lapsed economy. <laughs> it is an eternal kingdom. And what we do right now is live by faith, knowing that we're just passing through here. And we want to faithfully live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven while we are here. And while we're here, we're also called to serve the Lord. Some, maybe some even in this room, would be called to be missionaries or be vocational, uh, some type of vocational ministry. Uh, many may not be, but you're called to serve right here in this church and use your gifts and make a difference for the kingdom of God here. You're called to witness for the Lord. You're called to do certain things for Him. We as a church family are. We have over the years. This past Thursday, we had... Uh, some training and, and equipping uh, from the uh, Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention. And it's sexual abuse, physical abuse, those kind of things. And so they, they came in, and there were some churches from all over our area, all the way as far as Milton, came together for that. Lewis Miller, who is the catalyst for the uh, northwest region here of Florida, with the Florida Baptist Convention, was here also. And, and so we had a, you know, just a good time learning in that. But uh, Jennifer saw Lewis uh, taking someone around and kind of showing him our facilities, and he took him into the activity center where our old sanctuary, and he said, um, now they've turned this into this, and they use that for ministry. And he said, I remember when this was built, because Lewis served at Shiloh at that time, I think his youth pastor at Shiloh those years ago in the late 70s and 80s, and he said that, he said, I remember walking in this building when it was new and looking around, seeing how large it was at that time. I was thinking, they'll never be able to fill up this building. And Lewis says, but look what God has done. He said, oh, me of little faith. <laughs> That's what Lewis said. About 50 years ago, Mr. Johnny, there was a group of folks who felt led of the Lord to look around and see what in the world needs to be done to continue for kingdom growth uh, in this church. And we were downtown. Many of you who don't know this, where New Life Assembly of God is, that's the, the original First Baptist Church building. And so they, they moved here on this site in, in the latter part. It was December of 1979, I think it was, when they uh, got moved in to have their first service over there in what we call our old sanctuary right now. And then God has led us in doing what we did. But I'll tell you this, we could never have been able to capture the growth and see what's happened over these past, uh, well, the 23 years I've been able to see what's going on here. It could have never happened about, uh, without the, the foresight of those years ago who said, we need to do this, and that was a huge leap of faith. I've heard Brother Adolph say before, and he was pastor here, for those of you who don't know, for about 20 years and nine months, and he said it, it would about keep him awake at night thinking about taking on that debt to that new and I, I, I can relate to that. I've <laughs> been there, done that in, uh, when we uh, built here. But, but here's the thing. God called and we obeyed. And God provided. 
And that's one example of many things that God's going to call us to do. He's called us. I can think, I was thinking things this morning, multiple things over these past few years that we've, that we felt led to do and did. And, and sometimes it was a stretch, but God always blessed it and he always used it. Those who live by faith, they answer the call of God and God uses that in advancing his kingdom. And finally, what we see here is that by faith, it is by faith the impossible becomes possible with God. And we find this with Sarah. Sarah was rather chronologically advanced, her and Abraham. And yet they believed finally that God would allow them to conceive and the child of promise would be born to them. What took place with Abraham and Sarah was something that was outside the natural realm. It was a supernatural work, but God did it to accomplish His will. And what I want us to remember is this. People of faith, they don't get overwhelmed by the impossibility of something when they're following the will of God because what they know is this. The impossible becomes possible with God. And they trust Him. Now, I'll tell you this. The only way for us as believers to be faithful is to know that we, first of all, depend on the one who is always faithful. We depend on Him. And I was thinking about that this week, and this hymn came to my mind. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto Thee. Sing this verse with me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand beside great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning New mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. He is faithful, isn't he? Since he is faithful, he has called us to be faithful. We're called to live by faith. Let's do it.
Let's live by faith. And if we're not right now, would you confess that to him? Turn away from that life of unfaithfulness and begin to live a life that's faithful to him. Maybe there's some in this room today that need to call on Jesus by faith to save them. And he will. Do you believe that you're in sin right now? Separated from God? Do you believe you need him? Do you believe that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and he can take your sin away? Would you repent today, which means turn from your sin to him and by faith call on Jesus to be your savior? He will save you. Be glad to help you with that. As we stand to sing in a moment, I'd ask you to come meet me down front and just say, I need Jesus. I need to, by faith today, receive Christ. The altar's open for us today to come and pray and just get our lives on track. Lord, help me to live this life of faith that you've called me to. I've been encouraged by your word this morning to do it. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for uh, the uh, truth of this text. I'm thankful, Lord God, that I believe 2,000 years ago, Lord, you were using this in a group of believers saved out of Judaism. They believed in the true Messiah, and yet they were getting discouraged and overwhelmed by their circumstances, but you were encouraging them to endure. And you inspired that writer to write down these examples, and I believe, Lord God, you fueled the fire of those believers, and I pray you've done the same today. Lord, I pray we live by faith. So now, Lord, however you're speaking to us, I pray we'll be faithful to obey you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please.